Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. This video is brought to you by Devout Decals, makers of reusable Catholic art for your home altar, your bedroom, and your home classroom. Today I have something a little different for you, especially for a Sunday. I've covered Blessed Anne Catherine Emmerich's messages before. She was a mystic who received visions of Our Lord and Our Lady, who gave the typical unpleasant, dire messages for the future. She was we'll say, of limited ability to read and write herself. So she had to have assistance in writing these things down. And when you see the image that I'll use over her messages, you'll understand why. that This was not a dig in the slightest at her capacities. Um, but anyway, she had to have assistance from a friend in writing these down. But she has been approved by the church. So meaning that there is no you know harm to the faith or anything in listening to what she has to say. And I was recently sent by a listener, as I'll go over in my mailbag video, hopefully this afternoon, <laughs> that um, the, a collection of her works. So have a listen to this, and I hope you find this helpful today for your Sunday. As always, pray for me and pray for the church. Thanks for listening. God bless. When in my sixth year I reflected on the first article of the Apostles' Creed, I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. There passed before my soul innumerable pictures of the creation of heaven and earth. I saw the fall of the angels, the creation of the earth and paradise, that of Adam and Eve, and the fall of man. I thought everyone saw this as we do other things around us, and I spoke of it freely to my parents, brothers, sisters, and playmates, but they laughed at me. They asked me whether I had a book containing all these things, and so I began to keep silence concerning them. I thought without much reflection that perhaps it was not proper to speak on such subjects. I had these visions by night and by day, in the fields in the house, sitting or walking and when engaged in all kinds of employments. One day at school I happened to speak of the resurrection, describing it differently from what we had been taught. I felt certain that everyone knew, just as I did. I did not dream that there was anything peculiar in my account of it, but the children gazed at me in wonder and laughed, while the master reproved me gravely and warned me not to indulge such imaginations. My visions continued, but I kept them to myself. I was like a child looking at a picture book, explaining the pictures in its own way, but not thinking much about their meaning. They represented the saints or scenes from sacred history, sometimes in one way, sometimes in another. They produced no change in my faith. They were merely my picture book. I gazed upon them quietly and always with the good thought, all to the greater glory of God. In spiritual things, I have never put faith in anything but what God the Lord has revealed to the Catholic Church for our belief whether it be written or not. I have never believed so firmly what I have seen in vision. I looked upon the latter as I devoutly regard, here and there, the various cribs at Christmas. I feel no annoyance at their difference in style, for in each I adore the same dear little infant Jesus. And so it is with those pictures of the creation of heaven, earth, and man. In them I adore God the Lord, the almighty creator of heaven and earth. On the Fallen Angels I saw spreading out before me a boundless, resplendent space, which above which floated a globe of light shining like a sun. I felt like it was the unity of the Trinity. In my own mind, I named it the One Voice, and I watched it producing its effect. 
Below the globe of light arose concentric circles of radiant choirs of spirits, wondrously bright and strong and beautiful. The second world of light floated like a sun under that higher sun. These choirs came forth from the higher sun, as if born of love. Suddenly I saw some of them pause, wrapped in the contemplation of their own beauty. They took complacency in self. They sought the highest beauty in self. They thought but of self. They existed but in self. At first all were lost in contemplation out of self, but soon some of them rested in self. At that instant I saw this part of the glittering choirs hurled down, their beauty sunk in darkness, while the others, thronging quickly together, filled up their vacant places. And now the good angels occupied a smaller space. I did not see them leaving their places to pursue and combat the fallen choirs. The bad angels rested in self and fell away, while those that did not follow their example thronged into their vacant places. All this was instantaneous. Then rising from below, I saw a dark disk, the future abode of the fallen spirits. I saw that they took possession of it against their will. It was much smaller than the sphere from which they had fallen, and they appeared to me to be closely crowded together. I saw the fall of the angels in my childhood and ever after, day and night. I dreaded their influence. I thought they must do great harm to the earth, for they are always around it. It is well they have no bodies, else they would be obscuring the light of the sun. We should see them floating around us like shadows. Immediately after the fall, I saw the spirits in the shining circles humbling themselves before God. They did homage to him and implored pardon for the fallen angels. At that moment, I saw a movement in the luminous sphere in which God dwelt. Until then, it had been motionless and, as I felt, awaiting that prayer. After that action on the part of the angelic choirs, I felt assured that they would remain steadfast, that they would never fall away. It was made known to me that God, in his judgment, in his eternal sentence against the rebel angels, decreed the reign of strife until their vacant thrones are filled. But to fill those thrones seemed to me almost impossible, for it would take so long. The strife will, however, be upon the earth. There will be no strife above, for God has so ordained. After I had received this assurance, I could, see no, long, I could no longer sympathize with Lucifer, for I saw that he had cast himself down by his own free will, his wicked will. Neither could I feel such anger against Adam. On the contrary, I felt great sympathy for him, because I thought it has but been thus ordained. On the Creation of the Earth Immediately after the prayer of the faithful choirs and the movement of the Godhead, I saw below me, not far from and to the right of the world of shadows, another mixed globe arise. I fixed my eyes steadily upon it. I beheld it as if in a movement, growing larger and larger, as it were, bright spots, breaking out upon it and then circling it like luminous bands. Here and there they stretched out into brighter, broader plains, and at that moment I saw the form of the land setting boundaries to the water. In the bright places I saw a movement as of life, and of the land I beheld vegetation, springing forth in myriads of living things arising. Child that I was, I fancied the plants were moving about. Up to this moment there was only a gray light like the sunrise, like early morn breaking over the earth, like nature awakening from sleep. And now all other parts of the picture faded, the sky becoming blue, the sun burst forth, but I saw only one part of the earth lighted up and shining. That spot was charming, glorious, and I thought, there's paradise. While these changes were going on upon the dark globe, I saw, as it were, a streaming forth of light out of that highest of all the spheres, the God sphere, that sphere in which God dwelt. It was as if the sun rose higher in the heavens, as if bright morning were awakening. It was the first morning. No created being had any knowledge of it, and it seemed as if all those created things had been there forever in their unsullied innocence. As the sun rose higher, I saw the plants and trees growing larger and larger. The waters became clearer and holier. Colors grew purer and brighter. All was unspeakably charming. Creation was not then as it is now. Plants and flowers and trees had other forms. They are wild and misshapen now compared with what they were, 
for all things are now thoroughly degenerated. When looking at the plants and fruits of our gardens, apricots, for instance, which in southern climes are, as I have seen, so different from ours, so large, magnificent, and delicious, I often think, as miserable as our fruits are compared with those of the south, are the latter when compared with the fruits of paradise. I saw their roses, white and red, and I thought them symbols of Christ's passion and our redemption. I saw also palm trees and others, high and spreading, which cast their branches afar as if forming roofs. Before the sun appeared, earthly things were puny, but in his beams they gradually increased in size, until they attained full growth. The trees did not stand close together, of all plants, at least of the largest. I saw only one of each kind, and they stood apart like seedlings set out in a garden bed. Vegetation was luxuriant, perfectly green, of a species pure, sound, and exempt from decay. Nothing appeared to receive or to need the attention of an earthly gardener. I thought, how is it that all thing is so beautiful, since as yet there are no human beings? Ah, sin has not yet entered. There has been no destruction, no rending asunder. All is sound, all is holy. As yet there has been no healing, no repairing. All is pure. Nothing has needed purification. The plain that I beheld was gently undulating and covered with vegetation. In its center rose a fountain, from all sides of which flowed streams, crossing one another and mingling their waters. I saw in them a first slight movement as of life, and then I saw living things. After that I saw, here and there among the shrubs and bushes, animals peeping forth as if just roused from sleep. They were very different from those of us a later day, not at all timorous. Compared with those of our own time, they were almost as far their superior as men are superior to beasts. They were pure and noble, nimble and joyous. Words cannot describe them. I was not familiar with many of them, for I saw very few like those we have now. I saw the elephant, the stag, the camel, and even the unicorn. This last I saw also in the ark. It is remarkably gentle and affectionate, not so tall as a horse. Its head more rounded in shape. I saw, I saw no donkeys, no insects, no wretched, loathsome creatures. These last I have always looked upon as a punishment of sin. But I saw myriads of birds and heard the sweetest notes as in the early morning. They were, there were no birds of prey that I could see, nor did I hear any animals bellowing. Paradise is still in existence, but it is utterly impossible for man to reach it. I have seen that it will exist in all its splendor. It is high above the earth and in an oblique direction from it, like the dark globe of the angels fallen from heaven. On Adam and Eve, I saw Adam created, not in paradise, but in the region in which Jerusalem was subsequently situated. I saw him come forth glittering and white from a mound of yellow earth as if out of a mold. The sun was shining, and I thought, I was only a child when I saw it, that the sunbeams drew Adam out of the hillock. He was, as it were, born of the virgin earth. God blessed the earth, and it became his mother. He did not instantly step forth from the earth. Some time elapsed before his appearance. He lay in the hillock and on his left side, his arm thrown over his head, a light vapor covering him as with a veil. I saw a figure in his right side, and I became conscious that it was Eve, and that she would be drawn from him in paradise by God. God called him. The hillock opened, and Adam stepped gently forth. There were no trees around, only little flowers. I had seen the animals also, coming forth from the earth in pure singleness, the females separate from the males. And now I saw Adam, borne up on high to a garden, to paradise. God led all the animals before him in paradise, and he named them. They followed him and gambled around him for all the things that served him before he sinned. All that he named afterward followed him to earth. Eve had not yet been formed from him. I saw Adam in paradise among the plants and flowers, and not far from the fountain that played in its center. He was awakening as if from a sleep. Although his person was more like to flesh than to spirit, yet he was dazzlingly white. He wondered at nothing, nor was he astonished at his own existence. He went around among the trees and the animals, as if he were used to them all, like a man inspecting his fields. Near the tree by the water arose a hill. On it I saw Adam reclining on his left side, his left hand under his cheek. 
God sent a deep sleep on him, and he was wrapped in vision. Then from his right side, from the same place in which the sight of Jesus was opened by the lance, God drew Eve. I saw her small and delicate, but she quickly increased in size until fully grown. She was exquisitely beautiful. Were it not for the fall, all would be born in the same way, in, trans in tranquil slumber. The hill opened, and at Adam's side arose a crystalline rock, formed apparently of precious stones. At Eve's lay a white valley, covered with something like a fine white pollen. When Eve had been formed, I saw that God gave something, or allowed something, to flow upon Adam. It was as if there streamed from the Godhead, apparently in human form, currents of light from forehead, mouth, breast, and hands. They united into a globe of light, which entered Adam's right side, whence Eve had been taken. Adam alone received it. It was the germ of God's blessing, which was threefold. The blessing that Abraham received from the angel was one. It was of a similar form, but not so luminous. Eve arose like Adam, and he gave her his hand. They were like two unspeakably noble and beautiful children, perfectly luminous, and clothed with the beams of light as with a veil. From Adam's mouth I saw issuing a broad stream of glittering light, and upon his forehead was an expression of great majesty. Around his mouth played a sunbeam, but there was nothing around Eve's. I saw Adam's heart very much the same as in men of the present day, but his breast was surrounded by rays of light. In the middle of his heart I saw a sparkling halo of glory. In it was a tiny figure as if holding something in its hand. I think it symbolized the third person of the Godhead. From the hands and feet of Adam and Eve shot rays of light. Their hair fell in five glittering tresses, two from the temples, two behind the ears, and one from the back of the head. I have always thought that by the wounds of Jesus that there were opened anew in the human body portals closed by Adam's sin. I have been given to understand that Longinus opened in Jesus' aside the gate of regeneration to eternal life. Therefore, no one entered heaven while that gate was closed. The glittering beams on Adam's head denoted his abundant fruitfulness, his glory, his connection with other radiations, and all this shining beauty is restored to glorified souls and bodies. Our hair is the ruined, the extent, extinct glory, and as is this hair of ours to rays of light, so is our present flesh to that of Adam before the fall. The sunbeams around Adam's mouth bore reference to a holy posterity from God, which, had it not been for the fall, would have been effectuated by the spoken word. Adam stretched forth his hand to Eve. They left the charming spot of Eve's creation and went through paradise, looking at everything, rejoicing in everything. That place was the highest in paradise. All was more radiant, more resplendent, there than elsewhere. Let me know what you thought of this in the comments, please. I will uh, try to bring some of Blessed Anne Catherine Emmerich's visions about once a month or so. And uh, make sure to check out the mailbag video. That should be going live in a few hours, because I have more details on this at that time. Anyway, thanks for listening. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.